This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Folks are still rushing. Hey, Java, how's it sounding right now? I had a bad connection right at first. Working better? Oh, yeah, man. You sound good. You sound A1 right now. All righty. Well, I am pumped to talk about gardening. And, folks, it's a live program, even though I'm not in the studio today. I'm in a place that's almost as hot, at least they think it is. Got up to 85 degrees here in England the other day, and they're calling it a killer heat wave. Partly because they don't have air conditioning, and they don't know how to act when it gets above so 70 or 72 degrees. Um, it's so hot that the that uh, I live out in the moorlands, the, the rolling hills covered with uh, wild blueberries and peat moss and stuff like that of, of northern England. And uh, the the some of the, the peat has caught on fire, so dry, and they're having to mobilize the army to help put it out because peat fires can burn for weeks. They can smolder uh, two feet underground for weeks and weeks and weeks. And uh, anyway, it's hot and dry here to them, and um, I'm just sort of loving it because it feels great to me. Um, anyway, if you want to talk about gardening, you got anything related to gardening, lawns, shrubs, flowers, trees, bugs, blights, weeds, whatever you want to talk about, uh, positive or <laughs> negative, uh, even if you think it's something I, you might think I might not be interested in, uh, I'm not going to hold that against myself if you want because the truth is we're all like fingers on a, on a hand. You know, every one of our fingers are different from the others, but each one has its own use, and they can work together. So anyway, if you want to give me a call, it is toll-free. It's live today, one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven mpb ring It's toll-free. And by the way, I want to thank everybody who, who called in last week at our special summer drive time to support MPB and the, the Gestalt Garden in particular. We've got some little seashells headed to, towards you. But uh, meanwhile, I think I've caught up on most of my emails, and I've got a few that I'd like to share with you. Uh, but if you want to give me a call, this is the chance. A lot of people are uh, either a little shy or a little embarrassed or their heart pounds or whatever like that. It's just us talking about gardening, just like we were standing in line at the Piggly Wiggly or something like that. So if you've got uh, a concern maybe an argument with a significant other or a neighbor. Um, I won't take sides, but I'll try to give you the best advice I can based on you know, my experience and observation and training. I won't try to sell you anything, I guarantee you that. So uh, give me a call, 1-877-MPB-RING, and we'll be glad to talk about it. Um, by the way, I was, uh, <clears throat> I was having lunch with Socrates the other day. Some of y'all remember that old philosopher. He and I get together sometime, at least in my dreams, and we talk about stuff. And he agrees that if you want to have a pretty good quality lawn this time of year, don't mow it as often, mow it high, and try to give it a good soaking at least once a month. Once a month. If you can't water it once a month, it will shut down. And it may take it weeks to pick back up. Meanwhile, guess what likes heat and drought? Weeds. That's true. So if you want to try to keep your grass as healthy as possible, keep it actively growing without pushing it too much, don't fertilize it a lot, don't water it a lot, mow a little less often, a little on the high side. This really does help during stress. And, uh, and also, give it a good soaking, if you can, at least once a month. By the way, some of you water more than that. Those of you who are watering your grass more than once a week, 
I'm just throwing this out because it doesn't matter to me at all what you do or what you don't do. This just between you and your lawn, and I'm on your lawn side. If you're watering your lawn more than once a week, you're doing something that goes counter to what every lawn publication in the South recommends. Grass doesn't need water more than once every week or two, but you really water it deep. So if you like to water three times a week, here's what I suggest. Turn your timer so it comes on three times a week, but only an hour apart. So water once, off a little while, back on, off again, maybe a third time and back off over a period of two or three hours. And that, that puts the water down deep. And then leave it alone for at least a week. This is what helps grass have a strong, deep, uh, vigorous root system. Watering all the time keeps the grass roots shallow, and they're more susceptible to problems. So, again, really good soaking every week or two is pretty much all that's recommended by most of the turf people uh, in the entire South. From Texas, hot, dry Texas, to hot, dry Florida, to places in Atlanta, Georgia, where they have water restrictions, they all say the same thing. Good soaking every week or two is all a good, healthy grass needs. Doing it more than that, well, the worst can happen is you'll feel a little guilty because you know you're messing up. So anyway, that's what it takes to have a good lawn. That's what most of us are doing right now. We're trying to keep our tomatoes alive, trying to keep our grass uh, cut without killing ourselves. And if you want to talk about those or anything else, anything else at all, give me a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-877. MPB ring. Uh, we're already kind of slow this morning. We've got uh, plenty of li- all the lines are wide open right now. So this is a good chance to just kind of uh, 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 just sort of squeeze in. Let's chat a little bit about your garden. I'm getting a lot of emails right now about tomatoes looking bad, tomatoes dropping their flowers, peppers dropping their flowers, uh, brown leaves on tomato plants. Um, we have a lot of diseases that affect the foliage of tomatoes. And unfortunately, about all you can do other than keep new plants coming along, and you can plant tomatoes, tomato, you can set out tomato plants over a month from now and still get a good harvest before fall. Best thing you can do is to uh, pluck off the bad-looking leaves as best you can. Try to water just at the base of plants to keep those fungal spores from splashing around. And if you want to do something uh, but beyond that, there are fungicides that are safe to use on tomatoes. When I say safe to use, you can spray them and still harvest the same day. Although I would pick what you're going to before you spray. Uh, but there's a spray that has a really weird name. It starts with, sort of sounds like uh, like chlorophyll. It's called chlorophalanil. Not making this up. It's, a, it's an old fungicide. It'll help put a protective film on those leaves to keep them from getting diseased. Uh, unfortunately, it only lasts for a couple of weeks or a couple of rains. So if you want to Spray it. You need to to do it every couple of three weeks or so. And again, it's safe in the garden. Hey, let's let's go to. Uh, I think it's Hibbit in Jackson. Is that is that the right name, Hibbit? That's right, Felder. Uh, what can I help? Great, great to uh, be on the program. I have several large crepe myrtles that I've had for twenty years. They get plenty of sun. They're probably thirty feet tall, but they're not blooming. Is there anything I can do about it? Well, yes and no. And, and for what it's worth, this is one of the top five most common and frustrating questions that all of us home garden horticulturists get. Why does a crepe myrtle or a magnolia uh, bloom? Uh, if yours are that tall, that tells you it's probably the upright tree form kind, and they typically don't have the same kind of big, heavy, uh, weighted down flower clusters that some of the other varieties do. They're, they're more for their tree form 
and they don't have the great big heavy clusters of flowers. Uh, but if yours aren't blooming at all, let's try this. It's, it's called root pruning, and it's been done forever. I learned about this in tree surgery courses back in the 1970s. If you go out from the trunk, four, five, six, maybe eight feet, and just make a few cuts straight down with your shovel, a shovel deep, in a line, uh, sort of a dotted line around the plants, this cuts enough roots. It's not enough to hurt the plant, but it's enough to shock a plant into setting flower buds. And believe it or not, it works. It's just called root pruning. And, uh, and it can still work this year. So that's a, other than that, there's not much. I mean, we see them blooming in cemeteries with no fertilizer or anything. So that's really not so much yet. A uh, little bit of fer- fertilize your grass, prune a few of the crepe myrtle roots, and let's see what happens. Otherwise, you know, I'll hang some balloons in it or something. <laughs> okay, thanks, Felder. It, it's it's a great question, and when horticulturists, when I get together with people like Steve Benner from Southern Living, uh, and and folks like us all over the South, we get together after talks and programs and, and drink a beer or two. We ask each other, "How do you answer this?" And we all agree there ain't a good one. We'll, we'll give so, it a shot. Thank you. Good luck. Good luck on it. All righty, now let's go up to Starkville. Good morning, Chip. What's up, man? Hey, Felder, I uh, got a couple questions, but real quick, real quick success story for you. I called you. I moved here from Florida, and I'm, I called you last, though, July, August, about growing broccoli over the winter. And you said, well, you can do it, but you're not going to have success like you did in Florida. And you were right, <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah, and I, but I ended up looking online and, and reading something I didn't know that you could actually make them perennials as opposed to annuals. So I put them in my southern exposure window all winter, put them out, dug a hole, put some compost down there, put them in the ground, and last week I went out and cut a big old colander full of broccoli. <laughs> so, I, wow. so I put them in seed in August, and here it is July almost, and I, yeah. And they're and they're still putting up. They're still putting off shoots right now. Yeah, they can. You know, a lot of times these leafy greens, when it gets hot and all, they tend to get kind of bitter tasting. This year, try setting some small plants out in September. And I'm talking about not those big legs, but little small floppy ones. Because mm-hmm. if a broccoli plant or a cabbage, if they ever stop growing, they don't. It's hard for them to pick back up. So set out little plants in September, and then set some more out. Uh, at the end of next February or early March. And that way you can get a good harvest before fall and then a good harvest before it gets too hot next year. So try planting them twice. Well, here's, here's my question for you, Kay, on my garden. Um, it's, a, it's you know, real lime-based soil. I've improved it a lot. with you know, i got compost piles and, and all that good stuff. Um, how, my squash, I have zucchini growing um, and cukes. Uh, what about... A, would you recommend me putting a little bit of calcium around the the edges of that teaspoon or two around the plants? Is that going to help them? Because I've had trouble well, with blossom end rot bad with the squash. Well, blossom end rot uh, is it's a lack of, if it is blossom end rot, uh, it's a lack of calcium in the developing fruit. You can have plenty of calcium in the soil. And, and you're right, around Starkville, you know, there's a lot of calcium, in, you know, limey-type uh, soils have a lot of calcium. Uh, but if your plants stay too wet or they stay too dry, they have a hard time absorbing and moving calcium. So a lot right. of times blossom and rot isn't from a lack of calcium. It's from too wet or too dry. Okay, and I'm, well, I'm having a tough time with that right now. Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, is it because the squash is getting outside your finger and then shriveling up? 
Say it again. Are, are your squash getting about the size of your finger, a little bit long, and it's just shriveling up, drying up, uh, rotting up? Actually, right now, beyond all I have now is flowers. I'm waiting for them to come out, so I can't answer the question yet. Okay. Um, you know I've been a little late. Can you tell male from female flowers? Yeah. Weird question. Yeah, as long as you got male and female flowers, you might want to, when a female flower opens, use the male, peel the petal off, and use the male as a pollen paintbrush. Uh, it dabs the pollen inside an open female flower because you may not be getting good bee activity. Oh. That'll cause their, that, their fruit can get the size of your of your your finger or bigger, but if it's All not right. pollinated, it's going to shrivel up and fall off. Oh, I've had that a lot. Too. Okay, and play back in the past, I've had that a lot. I didn't know that was a problem. Okay. Well, that's a good yeah. tip. And what about uh, on cucumbers? My, they're doing pretty good. Um, any additional ideas on that? No, uh, you know, these plants, because it's so hot, a lot of people are watering either a lot or, or a little too often. It's mm-hmm. important to replace, to give plants a spoon feeding, a little bit of fertilizer every now and then, rather than a whole bunch up front, because when you water, some of that fertilizer may have walked away. So give them about a half-strength feeding every, oh, two or three weeks or so. And okay. they're also pollinated by bees. So, you know, if you've got, look for both male and female flowers, and if you don't have bees, you can use a you know you can use males to to like paintbrushes to pollinate the females. It, it's okay. done all the time. All right, last real quick question: What about Epsom salts on uh, all my bell peppers and whatnot? You know, I hear Epsom salts all the time. Matter of fact, I got an email just the other day from a lady who wanted uh, wanted me to run my my uh, fertilizer thing that has ammonium and Epsom salt to miracle grow me. Mm-hmm. I never recommend Epsom salt. Epsom salts is magnesium and is used in such tiny amounts. A lot of people swear by it. It doesn't hurt to use it, uh, but it's not something that's necessary if you've got pretty good dirt with compost and you're using a good fertilizer. But it doesn't okay. hurt to use Epsom salt, but it's, it's one of those uh, things that people swear by it has practically no real effect. Okay. All right. I've held you up long enough. Thank you very much, sir. Have a good weekend. <laughs> good luck on it, man. Let me know how your broccoli does next year, too. All righty, folks, we're going to take a real quick break. I'm Horticulture Spelled Russian. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's one of many weekly programs together by Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And we're going to be talking about gardening. Got some cheesy music coming up in, a, in a, about 10 minutes. But if you've got anything at all on your mind about gardening, got a question, need a second or third or 15th opinion, or Uncle Harry is saying something really weird. Give me a call at toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING or shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Again, Horticulture Stella Russia here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be back with more of your gardening calls right after this. Welcome back, Horticulture Spell of Rushing. And hey, last week I mentioned something that uh, I'm really curious about. Uh, I'm not able to try it out myself, but I'd like to find out if any of you have tried this. This is something that a fellow named Stephen Flood uh, wrote to me. Uh, it's a product put out by, by a, a fellow in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. 
and apparently it's doing great. I'm, I'm reading reviews from it from literally all over the country. Uh, and it's a it's a, a mosquito repellent that is supposed to be working like crazy. Uh, it sounds good, uh, and I don't know anything about it except what I read online. And online, it's just got tons of stuff, tons and tons of stuff. Anyway, it's called Spartan Mosquito Eradicator. Spartan Mosquito Eradicator. I'm curious if any of you who know me and know that I want to talk to somebody real has tried this and whether it really works great for you or not. I'm going to try it myself when I get home. But if any of you have experience with this, what's getting rave reviews, is a, a mosquito repellent made in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, called Spartan Mosquito Eradicator. I'd like to know about it. Maybe you shoot me an email and let me know about it. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, let's go down to, uh, up and over to Red Bay, Alabama. Hey, Jeffrey, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So far, so good. I, I was through Red Bay uh, oh, about a month and a half or so ago. Yeah, it's a nice, you, tiny little town. <laughs> yep. What you got going on? Um, I cannot seem to grow roses worth a darn. They, <laughs> they'll come in really good in the spring, they'll bloom, and then pretty much just all the leaves fall off about a couple weeks ago, and I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Do they turn kind of yellow, maybe have little, little spots and stuff on them when they fall off? Yes. Yeah. This is a, a probably the most common, no, it is the most common disease on roses worldwide. It's called black spot, and it causes a little spot. Sometimes they're bigger or smaller, but the leaves turn yellow, and the whole plant can defoliate. It's real common, and there's no cure for it, but you can prevent it uh, if, if you want to. First of all, let me throw out that there are some roses that are resistant to it. A lot of these old garden roses, uh, some of the new ones like uh, uh, like Knockout, you know, they can all get it, but Knockout are resistant to it. Some of the older garden roses, some of the shrub roses are resistant to it. Uh, so that helps. But if you want to control it, about the only thing we can recommend is to, Jeffrey, is to use a fungicide spray that's, that's, that's labeled for uh, every garden center sells it. You don't have to use an insecticide. Just, and it puts a protective film over the leaves before they get infected, which means uh, that they won't, you know, it, it, the, the plant will keep the leaves on longer. Unfortunately, I have to spray every two or three weeks or so because the stuff only lasts for a couple of weeks or, or a couple of rains, or else new leaves come out that aren't protected. But if you want to spray, uh, once or twice a month with something for rose diseases, that'll help protect it a lot. Okay. That's, now, the other thing is roses can be pruned even in the summertime. You know, you got branches that came out this spring. You can cut those things halfway or two-thirds back, and they'll quickly put out new growth that'll have fresh leaves on it and flower. So somewhere they get really, really leggy and drop off the leaves, just prune it. Not as hard as you in the wintertime, but cut each, each of this year's growth back halfway or two-thirds or so, and it'll always have, you know, really nice, healthy new growth before it gets diseased. And when it starts getting diseased again, just prune them again. Give them a little fertilizer, good soaking. A lot of times they'll outgrow the disease that way. But pruning stimulates healthy new growth. Okay. Um, I also had a question about crepe myrtles. With I know you were talking about getting them to reflower earlier. But yeah. when is the best time to prune them? Because I'm trying to turn it more tree-like and less bush. 
Well, if you're going to prune it tree light, you can do that anytime. And basically, and this is what I did to those in my backyard. I, I pruned them uh, where they're, they're not growing straight up, but a real narrow V, you know, like a, you know, sort of like a, uh, uh, like a wine glass or something. They grow straight up. Uh, what you do is the branches that are growing in, you know, towards the middle, or we have two side by side, just simply cut them off as if they were never there. You know, don't leave any little stubs, but all the branches and twigs that are pointing or too far outward, just cut them off and only leave the stuff that's pointing up or sliding out. And the new growth comes on the end will, you know, growing up. And then you can prune those that way too. But basically, only leave stuff that's going up and out. And you can do that anytime you want to. Just don't leave any okay. stubs. Yeah, because I've been told, oh, only um, prune a crepe myrtle in like February. So. Well, first of all, you don't have to prune crepe myrtles at all. They're just like roses. You know, they bloom on new growth. Some people never prune crepe myrtles. If you're going to prune them really hard, you can do that in the winter or the spring. You can prune a crepe myrtle to the ground right now. They'll sprout back out and bloom on the new growth. So the main thing is if you want to prune them to keep them thick and full, do that in the winter, early spring, early summer, so they have time for the new growth to come out. But if you're trying to train them to grow up, Again, just cut off, you know, let's say if you hold your hand up and your fingers spray, you know, spread straight out, you can cut the mm. a little finger off and the three that are left will grow straight up. That's kind of gruesome, I guess. But you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but don't leave any stuff. Go ahead and cut it right right where they're growing. And, and what I actually did for my son, I planted some, uh, my son and I planted some in his garden uh, a couple of years ago. As I went out this spring, and just all the little buds that are pointing inward, I just popped them off. And so the plant doesn't waste energy. And all the stuff you cut off, the energy that would have gone to it, will go into what's left. It will grow almost twice as fast. So just, just thin out the stuff that's going in and just leave the stuff that's going up. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. Good luck on it. And, uh, you know, let, let us know how the rose does. But I think if you prune it back and fertilize it, they'll do fine. All right. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. All right, our number is toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. But uh, Java, there's something that I just noticed at these flowers. I'm going to the Hampton Court Flower Show this coming weekend. It's the second biggest one that they have over in, in, in Great Britain, and uh, for the first time ever, about five years ago, four or five years ago, the, the Royal Horticulture Society started allowing gnomes to be put into the garden. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with garden gnomes or not. That's not a standard. I thought, like, the garden gnomes were just, you know, something that happened. They had to allow them to come? Yeah, because, you know, they, you know they'll, they'll put, you know, fairies and dragons and gargoyles. But, they, but gnomes are considered lowbrow. You know, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, because they're called kitsch. You know, kitsch is, is like a... Is like a uh, mass-produced art, you know, uh, pink flamingos are kids. You can have a brass flamingo or a concrete flamingo, but you can't have a plastic flamingo because they're, you know, garden variety. Anyway, they started allowing these back in there, and uh, and I was there to photograph the first ever, and, and talk about it in over 100 years, uh, to put the gnomes in there. Anyway, th- what I'm trying to get, get around to is when I take stuff to the garbage dump here, the, what they call the tip, the recycling center, and everybody does that here. You can't just throw stuff away like, like we do in, in Mississippi. 
when I take stuff there, the guys who work at this recycling center, they pull the little yard creatures, the gnomes, the snow whites, and all that kind of stuff, the Buddhas, and they put them in a little group, so it's like a little concentration camp of all these garden creatures. And they started letting me take one at a time to take home. I've got some in my garden in Mississippi, and they're so cool. Anyway, it got me to thinking about rescuing gnomes. So I wrote this week's garden blog. I do a blog every two or three weeks. And if you want to read about these, you can go to, to Felder Rushing Blog, B-L-O-G. Don't go to my website, just Felder Rushing Blog. I just put something up on the history and some really cool pictures, some oddball stuff about garden gnomes. With that in mind, I thought I'd uh, play a, uh, a really cheesy David Bowie song. Maybe this will give us a break. When we come back, folks, here at MPB, uh, give me a, a phone call. It's all about gardening. One eight seven seven MPB ring. If you're triple eight eight seven, is it eight seven seven? One one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's that's the number, man. I know we just came off drive, so it's kind of it's kind of confusing a little bit. Eight seven seven MPB ring. We'll be back in Oregon Star Garden here on MPB right after this. After hearing what David Bowie has to say about the laughing gnome. standing member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. 
To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back for the Culture Spell to Rush again. We're taking live phone calls about gardening. It's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Before we go to this next one, uh, Java, I want to find out if uh, you or many folks in uh, over in the states are following the World Cup, what they call football, soccer, World Cup soccer. Anybody following that very very much? Uh, not too much because you know USA. Um, we didn't qualify this this go around, so well, it's not as much yeah, uh, coverage. That's too bad because the uh, U.S. was 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 awfully good, awfully good. But uh, anyway, is is the national pastime in England? They are going nuts over it. But the funniest thing that happened, and yeah, it's a little a little weird, I guess. But they have all these these pubs and all have these flags hanging. There's strings of flags of all the people who are who are playing in the World Cup thing. And every time a team gets eliminated, they cut that flag off. So just leaving the flags the ones that are left. Anyway. The, the people from Saudi asked all the sent an email to all the pub owners in England to go ahead and cut their flag off the bunting because they don't want to appear to support drinking. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, it's been too wild over here. Hey, let's let's talk about gardening though. If you want to give me a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go all the way down the Gulf Coast to Ocean Springs. Good morning, Tony. Thank you for holding. Yes, yes, sir. Good morning. Yes, I'm calling. What's in regards up? To, uh, I have some red oaks, uh, white oak trees, and and I have they have roots that's migrating toward my foundation above the surface. They've popped above the surface, and I also have trouble when a difficulty when I cut the grass because of those surface roots. I wanted to know if yeah. I take those roots out, will it damage or kill the tree? Well, it, it, it can kill the tree. Here's the deal. The reason tree roots are growing shallow is as they grow straight out, they also get bigger around in diameter. So when you're seeing a root that's as big around as your arm, you know, if you stick your arm straight out, wiggle your fingers, you're looking at the shoulders and the elbow parts. And uh, so when you cut a big root, you're cutting off literally hundreds of miles of smaller, important feeder roots that do the water and the nutrients and all like that. So it doesn't hurt to cut a few roots here and there. But in general, those are transport systems from the fingers to the head, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, what I would yeah. do, though, so those that are going towards your foundation, you could cut down. And, and these are only oh, you know, a foot or so deep at the most. You could cut straight down out from your foundation a few, week, a few feet, and that will keep them from reaching your foundation. They'll branch back out, but if you, you make the same cut every three or four years, that will keep them from messing up your foundation. Whether they're getting too tall to mow the grass, uh, I think about, you know, sooner or later that grass is going to thin out anyway because of the competition. You know, it might be a time to start thinking about plugging in some monkey grass or ivy or Asiatic jasmine and gradually convert those areas into ground covers, um, you know, and do it in a way so it looks, you know, natural. Put a nice little curve out there, but where, right. where, where the roots are, are really competing, uh, rather than, than hurt the tree, I would start thinking about switching over to mulch or ground covers. Okay, well, very good. That's exactly what I was looking for. Some I wanted. Uh, I didn't want to damage or kill the tree, but I've got to protect the foundation. 
Yeah, you know, two or three feet, maybe four feet, even closer, as far out as you want to go. But, again, you need to to, to recut that every two or three roots because when you cut a root, it starts bushing back out with little roots. So if you'll just come back every uh, two or three or four years and just make that cut again, a shovel deep, that'll take care of it. Hey, and by the way, in botanic gardens, a lot of times they'll actually clear the grass out around the trees and let the roots be exposed as kind of like part of the tree. So think about doing that. It's a lot easier than anything else. And then plug in a few little clumps here and there of monkey grass, make it look like you you know, make your neighbors think you care. Okay. Sounds like a winner. I really appreciate it. Good luck. Hey, appreciate your call, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, folks, let's slide back up now to Jackson. Hey Brian, good morning. Hey Felder, how's it going? So far so good. I'm glad I'm not where you are in the middle of the day, but I wouldn't mind being there in the evening or the morning because that's the time to be in the garden. What can I help well, you with, man? It's a little overcast right now, so it's not too bad. Maybe it'll rain this weekend. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, I was just going to let you know. I'm, I'm your. Uh, I live right behind you, and uh, we bought a couple of those eradicators. And it's supposed to take about two to seven days to uh, kick in and start working. And yeah. this weekend, it'll end up being a week that we've had them. Um, so. Uh, if you notice anything, I mean, you may be able to notice just because we have them. We have four of them. We have two in the front yard and two in the backyard, and they may uh, help your yard as well. Are they are they working yet? Can you tell? I know it takes a little while. Yeah, well, it's a uh, it's a yeast uh, that attracts the mosquitoes into the eradicator, or that's what I'm told. Yeah, it's supposed to be a, about a hundred yeah, feet from everything. Well, I mean, you know, between your yard and my yard, we got about most of the mosquitoes in Fondren. It's a ton of them. My wife can't walk yeah. to the car without getting bit twenty times. Yeah. Well, you know, like I say, in, uh, in, I'm, I'm not, I'm not around right now in case you hadn't noticed. But as soon as I get back, I'm gonna hang some out there between you and me and between the two of us. Let's see what we can do. Anyway, I, kind of keep a monitor on it, see what you think, because I'm just trying to find firsthand experiences. Because all the online stuff, everybody's just real, real positive, which you'd expect. But I like now, to what, find I've, out what my what, I, what I've also heard is you start out early, you can probably get away with two, but if it's later in the season, you should go ahead and get four of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, in our neighborhood, because so many people have a lot of shrubs and trees and ground cover and stuff, there's just more places for the mosquitoes to hide. Anyway, let's yeah. let's keep track of it. Let's keep track of it. Okay, man. Appreciate your call. Thanks, Brian. Again, uh, we were talking about this uh, this uh, Spartan mosquito eradicator uh, being uh, uh, manufactured in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Anyway, let's go up to Memphis. Susan, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. It's, uh, it's just a real honor to talk to you, Felder. Always enjoy your program. Well, thank you. Appreciate you being part of it. What's up? Well, I I grew a poem yesterday for uh, dirt gardeners, and I wondered if I could read it to you. It's well, a short is thing. it clean? Oh, well, it's it's as clean <laughs> as a garden is. I mean, it's okay, <laughs> yes, it's it's okay to have the word dirty in it. So, so dirty in no. gardening is not the same thing. So, yeah, let's hear it. Bring exactly. it on. And, and, uh, what, what's your last name, Susan? O-W-I-N-G-S-O-Wings. Okay, well, let's let's hear it. Okay. We had things to do. Who knew how prolific lizard plants grew? We planted them imagining only beauty, but then tending them became a duty we avoided. Heat, burning sun, and mosquitoes we dreaded, 
while the lizard plants became embedded. Like a giant army, they marched across the little plants, treading on their toes. They towered above the garden ornaments and covered up my favorite fairy rose. This is really for my husband who loves to plant anything green, anything, any seed, anything he can, anywhere that he can. <laughs> and he's he's wonderful. He loves growing things. But our garden is always um, an unimaginable uh, site. <laughs> There, there, there's so much garden inspiration in Memphis between, you know, the Botanic Garden is one thing, but the, the the more intimate, the Dixon Garden, and there's some wonderful, wonderful gardeners in Midtown here. Hey, if you yeah. if you would, uh, Susan, could you send me a copy of that poem? Um, you know, I tried to send you a copy. I don't know if I have the wrong email address. Maybe I could get well, that from, you know. It's garden at mpbonline.org. MPB online, like one word online, right? Dot org. That's right. Dot org. Okay. okay. I, I look that. forward to seeing it and, uh, and, and and give your husband a, a pat on the head. I will. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That was a wonderful point. Appreciate it so much, Susan. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Folks, we're talking about gardening here on MPB. Let's go down to Waynesboro. Randy, I don't get many calls from Waynesboro. What's going on then in Wayne County? Hey, how you doing? I've got so questions. So I got two questions. One is about bamboo. Uh, can you tell me? I, I transplanted some bamboo, and I'm trying to get it to to grow. Can you tell me about it? What to do? When when did you move? When did you transplant it? About about a week ago, I got one shoot about six foot tall and two about three foot tall and just dug them in the ground. And one of them's got a root ball and one of them's got a parallel root, uh, you know, running right and left. And I've yeah. been watering them, and they look like they're going to make it. But now I've got a 40-acre plot where I'm putting it on. It's, you know, I'm going to use it and cut it and use it for crafts and maybe make some lumber out of yeah. it, what I want to do. yeah. Well, here, here's a couple of things. First of all, uh, it grows up mostly, puts all, all of its new growth mostly first thing in the spring on what grew the year before. So what you're planting now, if you'll keep it alive, you know, don't 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 rot it with too much water, but just keep it alive. It'll start sending out more of those those parallel runners. They call rhizomes. It's like underground shallow stems. It'll put those out the next spring. Each of them will jump up in some, some leaves, and then you got it made. So the idea this year is to keep what you got alive without rotting it too much. And okay, one of the problems, but what, uh, you, now to transplant it, can you just get a pull a ball up like a nest, or do you well, have to have that parallel root? Well, no, no, parallel root. That's that's like a stem. That's what you want. Here's the deal. Okay. If you when, when you dig it up, you leave most of the important roots behind, and that tall bit that you got, it's sucking it dry. And a lot of times, that tall bamboo stuff will suck the roots dry before it can get established. So what most people do is they do it in the wintertime when they don't have any, you know, in other words, they, they find something they want to move, they cut it down to about a foot tall and then just move those roots. And then the roots sprout out new growth in the spring. Right now, okay. what I would do is, I would, I would that stem that, that you got is five or six feet tall, I'd cut it about oh, a third of the way back, you know, so it's still got some leaves on it, but it's not sucking on those, those roots yet until it gets established. And then just try to keep it, once you get it rooted, it'll put out a whole bunch of new growth, typically every spring. But that's what you want yeah. to move those shallow things, not the tall stuff. 
yeah, okay, if I if I don't have success with it, I'll try again maybe this winter when it's dormant. And how big of yeah, a piece yeah. do you think I need to get, just like one piece or like a clump or two yeah. or three? It just depends on how quick you want it to grow, you know. But again, oh, okay. so okay. If they got they got, got shallow roots and they got those those sort of runner things. They call they're like they're like pieces of bamboo laying sideways under the ground. That's, That's what right. you want to get. That's, That's what correct. you want to get. So, so cut the stuff off to about a foot tall and use those stalls as something to carry them back to the truck with. Okay, and I got one more question about catawba trees. I got three catawba or five catawba trees and they've been there about 10 years and I got clay soil and they just not, they don't grow very much and I hadn't had worms on them. Do I need to put worms on them to start them? Yeah, you have to get them started because, uh, you know, the, the catawba moth only lays eggs on catawba trees and if you don't have any moths in if they don't know they're there, they're not going to lay eggs and you're not going to get a start. So you need to put some worms on there and uh, and just get a start. Uh, okay. But also, they don't grow as well on heavy, heavy clay soil, so you might, if it's possible, to give them a soaking about once a month. They usually don't yeah. need watering, but they got such big leaves that they're in clay soil, they're going to have a hard time in hot, dry, long, dry spells. But that's about yeah. it. Okay, well, now what about fertilize on, the, on them and on the uh, bamboo? A little bit. Think about salt on your egg. You don't pour salt till you see it. You just throw a little on there, but don't, don't overdo it because that puts a lot of leaves on there, which puts more stress on the roots. And they're already having, they're already struggling with that many roots to begin with. So, fertilize them lightly. Don't ever push them too much because, again, fertilize you just throw a whole bunch of leaves out there that'll suck on roots that aren't there. Okay. So all right, enough I, to be okay. Here. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for your call. Right. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All righty, folks. I guess we need to take a real quick little break. Uh, if you want to give us a call, that was, we've gone from Memphis down to Wayne County to the Gulf Coast to everywhere in between Alabama. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. 1-877-MPB-RING. I'm horticulture spelled a rushing, and you can email me anytime during the week, garden and online. <laughs> Garden at mpbonline.org. I'll try to get back. Usually it might take me a couple, three days. I'm traveling down to London this weekend to uh, go to the to the press day, which is uh, when they let all the people in before the show opens for the uh, big, big, big Hampton Court Flower Show. Look forward to, to seeing some interesting ideas, even though it's going to be 85 degrees. Woo-hoo! I don't know how I'm going to handle it. We'll be right back before the Gasol Gardener right after this. MPB News is leading the way, covering stories that matter to Mississippians with five first-place awards from the Associated Press, including breaking news, radio achievement, and public affairs reporting. Your source for a deeper look at today's top story is MPB News. Okay, you know, folks, welcome back. For the Russia. And before we get to our callers, let me throw this out. Uh, I write for uh, Mississippi Newspapers, the local daily and weekly papers around the state, is carried by, uh, by, by several dozen. Uh, this week's column is about weed control on the lawn. It's best I can do, best I can do, which is considerable considering I'm a turf specialist, but also I'm a lazy gardener. So if you want to know the scoop on weed control on the lawn from a real person who's not selling anything, 
if your local paper carries my column. That's what this week's about. Appreciate the Mississippi Press Association for making this available to all the newspapers in Mississippi. Doesn't cost them a thing, so give them a call and see if they'll if they'll carry it for you. Meanwhile, let's go back down towards the coast to uh, Pascagoula. Good morning, Maxine. Thank you for calling. Thanks for accepting my call. I'm new at this gardening business, and where I live, I think they call them raised beds where you plant. Yes. Okay. The dirt is not that great, but one thing I notice is that it has a lot of rocks. Is that good or bad? Well, it, it has a lot of what in it? Rocks, rocks. Oh, rocks. Oh, oh. and, and, and uh, that's not in Pascagoula, is it? Yes. Yes. Well, you mean you mean the the, the dirt in that's got rocks in it? Yes, a whole lot of them. I don't know. We must have a bad reception. Yes, it has a whole lot of rocks. The dirt has a whole lot of rocks in them. Is that good or bad? Well, it's, it's not good or bad. If they're big rocks, and I would pull them out or maybe use them around the edge. You know, big rocks just take up space where where dirt and roots would be. But if they're smaller rocks, if you'll just add some cheap potting soil or some compost or manure, any kind of organic matter, and dig it into your native dirt, then, the, you know, in other words, so you have some dirt, some organic matter, and a few rocks, they're not going to hurt too much unless it's just so big. You, you just need to pick them up and throw them over the fence or something. Oh, okay. I planted some onions, and they did pretty good, and I did cultivate the soil. What about garlic? When can I start planting garlic? Gar- we plant garlic in the fall. Uh, onions and garlic like cool weather. We plant onions uh, on the Gulf Coast. We we plant them in oh late January, February, and 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 they and they grow and produce before it gets too hot in the summer. Then they kind of, we have a hard time growing onions all all summertime here. Uh, garlic oh. is planted in uh, late September, October, early November. It grows over the winter, and when it starts to bloom, I just pluck the flowers off. And then I, as soon as the leaves start to turn yellow and fall over is when I dig mine, usually around the first part of June. So let's let's plant garlic in uh, October or so. Okay. What about kale and collard greens? Same thing. These these plants like cool weather. You know, we have okay. two long, hot-growing summer seasons. We have a short fall and a short spring, but those plants grow really well if you start planting them uh, in uh, – you can plant those in September – uh, but but mainly they grow better over the winter, particularly garlic and kale. They can take 10 below zero. It doesn't hurt them. But uh, we plant those things in the fall for a fall, winter, and spring harvest. Summertime is more for hot things like tomatoes and peppers and squash and beans. Okay. And what I, about uh, and Brussels sprouts? My last question. What about Brussels sprouts? The same thing? The same time? Same, same September? Same thing. Winter? Same, same thing. That's right. And you can plant those in the, the, the late summer, September, first part of October, and then you can plant new ones sometime towards the end of February, first of March. And they, if we have a hard freeze in the middle of the winter, it can damage some of those. But you plant them in the late summer for a fall harvest, an early winter harvest, and then plant them in the late winter for a spring harvest before it gets too hot in the summertime. Hey, I appreciate you, know, you taking my call. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Well, Thanks, Maxine. I pre- and by the way, Maxine, if you have too many rocks, I grow my garlic in big pots. I, I just get big pots of potting soil. They don't have big roots. They don't have to be very deep. And I just put the garlic cloves a couple of inches deep uh, in pots, and I grow all the garlic I can use just in big old pots over the wintertime. We have problems with cats around here. They keep you – I tried, um, I forgot, radishes, and the cats went and urinated in my pot. 
<laughs> so I have a problem with cats. You got a suggestion for that one? <laughs> when you say cats, yes, cats urinating. Cats, C-A-T, yeah, uh, cats. <laughs> yeah, well, get you some chicken wire and make a ball of chicken wire and put it on top of your pot. Your plants grow up through it. The cats can't dig down through They can't dig through it. they got to stand on it at the same time. You're chicken welcome. Wire. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Good Appreciate it, Maxine. Thank you. Whew. She got some stuff going on, folks. I do grow a lot of stuff in containers. In the summertime, containers need to be watered more often than stuff in the ground, of course. That doesn't mean you need to keep them wet. I have my plants. I have a, a, a watering system, just upside down lawn sprinklers, just like a shower head. And I've got them on a timer that costs me about 30 bucks. They come on for 10 minutes once a week. 10 minutes once a week. And that gives them a really good soaking and it lets them get, it puts water all the way to the bottom of the pots, lets the top of the pots dry out so the roots grow nice and deep. Watering every day or two is going to cause plants to have root problems in pots. A good deep soaking, maybe water twice a few minutes apart, and then uh, let them get dry at least halfway down before we water them again. That's how I do it. And I'm not trying to be smart. or I'm trying to be lazy. No, I am lazy. I'm trying to be smart because I am lazy. So good deep soaking, let plants get dry before we soak them again. Too much water and too much fertilizer are way worse than not enough. Anyway, I've been having a pretty good time yakking about stuff. If you have questions during the week you'd like to talk about gardening, shoot me an email. It's real easy, garden at mpbonline.org. I try to sit down every day and answer a few at a time. Uh, also, appreciate folks who have supported this idea that if we end up with a new flag for our state, it ought to have a flower called magnolia on it. Not a magnolia tree, but a big old magnolia flower. I think that'd be so pretty uh, and so unifying and so Mississippi, the magnolia state. Because Stalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer's been a hard-working Java Chapman. I'm not sure, but I think that Kevin Farrell was our phone reader today. Anyway, I'm your host, and I'm going to be thinking of all of y'all as hot as it Maybe it gets to rain this weekend. I don't know. But if you get a chance, take a kid to a garden center or a farmer's market. Stop telling them to go outside. Show them how to go outside and do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. Thank you.